The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. I love that introduction so much. In studio today, we've got a guest co-host, Clarice Connolly. She is a women's empowerment coach, and you can find her conveniently at? Empoweringwomen.coach. So so simple. Empoweringwomen, plural, dot coach, singular. All right. Um, one of the issues that, as you said right before the break, we almost never talk about are the vast array and experience of mental health issues. And we almost never talk about that in a business setting, right? Mm -hmm. Mental health is one of the country's biggest issues. Mm -hmm. You know, arguably the, the homeless population, arguably the veteran population, there are a ton of people who are impacted by this with or without the, um, it sounds like sound effect day, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, with or without the support of trained professionals or with or without the support that they need, they're dealing with it. Uh, we're going to talk about it with an expert in the field, somebody who's gone through his own story and his own life experience and has a passion for advocacy in this area, as well as entrepreneurship. We're delighted to welcome to our microphones Param, and I'm going to, I don't know why I'm You're not really better good at this. You're really, really, really good at it. Parastaran is the way I'm going. Yes. How do we do? You did great. It's right. Parham Parastron. Honestly, Parastron. people don't even know my last name. They just say Parham. Parham. Very good. Like Cher. Yeah, I got it. Exactly. Um, or, or Taylor. Uh, you, we should say you're legit. You've uh, got a degree from the University of Illinois. you got an MBA. You're a married man. You've got three daughters. And, um, and yet, you've dealt with some mental health issues. Please tell us about some of your experience and why this is so passionate for you. Well, I mean, the reason it's so passionate for me is is because of the, the, the path and the solution that I found towards it, which for me was psychoanalysis, um, the background of, of why and how depression is formed or just any type of mental illness is varies and will be different, you know, for everybody. And, and certainly the degrees of which you suffer from this type of mental illness is... Uh, will vary as well. Um, I have the belief, especially in, in, in my case and, and, and of many people that I know, that a lot of it was just, in my, in my case, and I, was to delve into the background of it, not just take a pill or to do something um, you know, short term. I really needed to figure out why um, I was using you know, $1,500 worth of cocaine a week and why, while successful to the outside world and doing very well financially, um, doing well from a popularity standpoint, all of the uh, measurements that the, uh, the world views as uh, at a high level that behind the scenes I was very depressed, lonely, and just, just didn't want to really be alive and didn't like the body that I lived in. So I needed to go back in time and going back in time for me and, and being with the great psychoanalyst doctor um, helped me rebuild ultimately, which was the problem, was a very, very low self-esteem, um, which is common and uh, had to do with parenting, had to do with trauma that I had as a kid being abused. I came from Iran during the revolution and we escaped and became come here in political asylum. And so we were immigrants. And of course, there's that immigrant mentality. So there was a series and lots and lots of um, lots of reasons why you you know you could be this way but the reality was i needed to go one by one and pick them apart and uh, learn more about myself 
I really feel like that you've touched on such great, uh, a bunch of different great points here. The first is that mental health affects people regardless Mm -hmm. of anything from education to socioeconomic status to background. We're not talking, it's, as you heard in my intro, it's sort of easy to think about people with mental health issues being the homeless or the veteran, returning veterans or people. Mm -hmm. But really, here you were, you were running a a very successful business, Car X Tire and Auto. You had the wife, you had the family, your life, as you say, looked perfect. Mm -hmm. And there are people all around us who have issues that they're dealing with. We have no idea about that. I guess my question is, you know, and, and forgive me, but it's partly shaped by the recent rash of suicides we've seen by very successful seemingly have it all people and and one of the things i talk to people about who know these folks or who have been in their um you know friendship circles is i feel you know the incredible guilt they feel like i feel like i should have known i should have seen some signs are there signs as somebody who's been on sort of both sides of this are there signs that we're missing yeah, I mean, there are signs. Uh, obviously, I would have to look at, you know, every individual. But but one of the simplest signs is 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 when you look at people uh, and levels, like in, in this particular case, you're talking about, you know, uh, highly accomplished people, is the grandiosity, the narcissism. Um, Wait, that reminds me of somebody. I'm kidding. Keep going. You. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, those things, to me, I, I see very clearly. I, I see people that are going and going and going when I see somebody that is not balanced and is and is and is obsessively doing something whether it's working out or whether it's eating or whether it's you know trying to make money or gaining power whatever it is I have to tell myself and I have to just take a quick look and be like you know why is it that they need this so much there's a difference between people that want to do great things and accomplish great things and 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 I'm you know because I've done 15 years of therapy can easily see the people that seem to want to do this and then there's people that seem to need it I can sense very you know insecure insecurities in people of that are that are highly accomplished and again for me it's easy to see but anything that people do excessively whether it's talking excessively interrupting excessively um, of course all the the, the 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 easy stuff drinking and drugs and uh, food and you know all of those type of things those things are generally have something hidden that they're just trying to ward off um, so when people are really actively moving forward and never reflecting and never going backwards they are generally warding off something that they don't want to deal with, and and if, and you know, you know, I, I think to answer your question is difficult to just say you know what are yeah. the couple of signs, but but basically people that struggle in um, in self sabotage and you know mm-hmm. they they struggle in relationships, they're they're constantly in and out of relationships. If they're not or if they're married, they're getting divorced all the time or a couple of times or three times. Those things are good signs for me. What would you say? If you have, you know, someone in your life that is like extrinsically motivated and they're constantly looking to buy or, you know, mm-hmm. accomplish or like you said, have that obsessive personality, like what what kind of conversations could you be having to approach them in regard to like they may not even be aware of what's happening, right? Well, you nailed it. And you probably unfortunately just asked me the toughest question you can ask. <laughs> so um, it's so hard. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. And the reason is you, you just touched on it. Um, ignorant is bliss. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the people that I know and one immediately comes to my mind that is just incredibly driven that um, I have a hard time pushing him to, you know, self-reflecting a little bit and mm-hmm. maybe ask some of those questions of why am I this way and why do I do these things? Um, it's tough. But what you do is you look for 
moments that they are able to maybe handle a little bit of reflection, maybe moments of negativity, maybe something that they're down on or something that they're feeling or something that's not going right. Some of those moments and timings might be the best to have those conversations. The other one that I do with really talented and highly successful people is I always ask, why do you do it? Um, is it the money? And then they say, oh yeah, I love the money. You know, I like buying planes or, or I like buying cars or whatever it is. And then you go, well, why? And ultimately, if you just keep asking them why, it'll come down to a feeling. The reason they're doing everything they're doing is to create some kind of a feeling. And if you keep asking enough wise, it might be because they're trying to piss, they're trying to get back at their dad yeah. because their dad never told them that they were great. Right. And there's the conversation and there's the first steps of it. But some of these people, you know, don't have any real problems, as you can see, until at some point later in life, they'll, they'll, they won't find peace. Does that help? Yeah, absolutely. Because what I get from that is like, there's almost this facade, like everything looks great. Don't ask me about how I'm doing. Cause then if you actually ask, then you figure out I'm actually not really great. Yeah. And it's, I'm hearing the opportunity for coaches because a, mm-hmm. a lot of these folks we're working with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People, people that tend to just really always be that everything is perfect. Everything is great. Everything is awesome. you know, it's just like, Oh my God, give me a break. Everything can't be awesome, can it? <laughs> well, and the the thing that I love that you pointed to is that for many of us, especially, you know, coaches, really, it doesn't matter whether you're just starting out, sort of like Clarice, or whether you've been around for a while like me, you're dealing with this type of personality, right? The people mm-hmm. who are driven to produce results, the people who have a passion for their business, the people who want it and are willing to burn the midnight oil, mm-hmm. right, are are the passionate entrepreneurs. And you know that because you've been that guy and perhaps still are. And sometimes that's, you know, more or less healthy, right? A lot of these people are, you know, somewhat balanced. They go to the gym every morning or every two days or whatever the thing is, right? Mm-hmm. They seem to, as you had, uh, you know, have a healthy home life, right? So um, I do now. Are there, <laughs> congratulations. And are there, <laughs> like, I heard your path is finding a great therapist, but really doesn't it sort of start not unlike a 12-step thing with admitting that there's a problem? And I guess my real question is, um, in dealing with these people, are there habits, are there things that we want to instill in them that sort of corrects for maybe a, a, a tendency towards something else, or do we just send everybody for a, for a therapeutic evaluation? Is my question no, yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a little bit a little bit unclear, but but it is at least I could talk about a little bit of your last point if I understood it correctly. Mm-hmm. But um, first of all, therapy necessarily, especially the type that I did, is not necessarily for everybody, and mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily what I advocate, and I think is something that everybody should be doing. What I what I want to see, what I want to see in in people is to to really deep down, be honest with themselves and see mm-hmm. and, and note if they're really happy. And happy isn't doing things and 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 uh, being at a beach and and or being on vacation and, 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 and constantly having to do things. What I want to know is, can you just sit still? Can you just sit in silence mm-hmm. and can you just sit with yourself, maybe not even a TV on, and can you tolerate that? And what I find in the simplest thing is that people really have a difficult tolerating that. They're always thinking about planning the next thing and doing the next thing. Um, and uh, and so if that's the case, then explore it. Like you said, the 12th step, at least just start exploring and say, well, why is it that I can't sit in peace? Why is it that I have to you know, uh, constantly be doing something? Um, 
And if you're not self-destructive, in my case, I was, you know, destroying things or everything around me. So I really needed to get help and I needed to get serious help. Some people need to get a little bit of help. Some people just need awareness Mm -hmm. and maybe reading a couple of books. Mm -hmm. I really get that. Any, anything else about, um, healthy habits or, or things to look for to, to sort of drive people towards healthier lifestyles? I'm, I'm thinking of coaches that are working with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, or even C-suite executives who are this type, you know, that driven type. What to look for is, is moments where they can be honest with themselves. And that's what I, again, kind of to reiterate what I was saying is, is, is I think even coaches sometimes when they're working with entrepreneurs, because entrepreneurs are such alpha type kind of right. Uh, people right and mm-hmm. they know everything and so it's very difficult to tell somebody that they know any, everything that hey maybe you're not deeply satisfied and content because there's a major difference and this is what I try to point out to some of my high-powered friends that there's a big difference between having fun and being happy as opposed to having peace mm-hmm. and the reference that I always made and, and looked at as a ideal for myself was I want to be able to sit at a cafe and sip on a cup of coffee or whatever it might be and just look at people and sit and be able to and and somewhere in the future and just and be, and be at peace and feel satisfied and content be integrated with who I am and content with who I am as opposed to 20 years from now still having to be needing to do things and wanting to do things and always looking for the next fun and um, it's very difficult to do that with high powered people because they don't feel that there's anything wrong with just having fun and, and mm. buying planes or, or doing things. Mm. And I find that the question that I will maybe even ask them is say, when you're on your deathbed and you have two to three weeks to live and you've been given that, are you thinking about a plane? Are you thinking about the next deal? Are you thinking about you know the, 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 the one uh, acquisition that I should have made and didn't make? No, you're thinking about your connections. So you're thinking about the people you love, you're mm. thinking about uh, humanly things and why not think about some of those things now you know why wait till then because there's not a single person I know if I interviewed on their deathbed that's gonna say that you know what instead of that two-engine plane I should have bought that uh, I should have bought the global you know they're just not gonna do that they're gonna think about the family they're gonna regret maybe I should have spent more time with my daughter they're gonna regret maybe I should have been a better husband maybe I should have been a better son all of these things they're not gonna think about the the stuff that they accomplished in, in business such an important message. We should mention the website if you want more information or to find out more about Parham and his great work. Uh, go to perfectpain.com. What a great what a great title. Perfect Pain. That's P-E-R-F-E-C-T-P-A-I-N.com. What will they find there, Parham? Well, they will find uh, a lot of information about the, my new book that just came out, Perfect Pain. Uh, they'll get a little bit more background of uh, who I am. Um, I have I, I write a blog every week, so recently just started writing a blog every week, so they'll see my blogs that go out every week and a lot of articles and some media um, interviews and things like that. Um, but ultimately, they'll um, be able to buy my book. <laughs> Great. But what's the and and one of the things that I that I really want to stress is how important this is for us as coaches because we're around these type of people all the mm-hmm. time right um, Parham what what sort of things can we do to give back to the community is it important for people to sort of go out there and mingle and or support people who have who are dealing with mental health 
issues? And if so, how can we do that? Well, <clears throat> somehow to support it, we have to first get rid of the stigma. Um, what, what, ends, what happens that I see happening all the time, and it happens very shortly after I published the book, a lot of high-powered people in the community that I lived in came to me not quite anonymously, but, but, but effectively anonymously and wanted to sit down and have a cup of coffee and, and them to tell me that I read your book and you know what, I, I have issues. And what I found over and over was that they had a sense of shame telling me about their issues. Now they had less shame because I had just came out publicly and discussed mm -hmm. it all right. about everything, but they had a sense of shame. And so what has to happen before that the giving back and you know what you're referring to has happened is that we have to instead of saying you're weak because you have issues you're weak because you know you have some daddy or mommy issues or you didn't get enough praise because you're a kid and so now you're suffering from it we should be applauding people and we should actually flip that and say wow what a strong man for to come out and the ceo of this company and say you know what i've been battling depression because i had I've issues when I was a kid. Maybe I was abused when I was a kid, or maybe I, you know, uh, you know, when my parents got divorced, uh, they they completely neglected me, and ever since then. But if we can have that conversation, if people could, in fact, turn it into a power position and say, and raise their hand and comfortably say that, then you then the the community will accept them, and that that beginning and that sharing will start. Right, because if you if you if somebody had had a knee replacement, they'd be talking about it all the time, right? But people, mm -hmm. because of stigma, they don't talk about it. I can hear that. Yeah. I mean, you said it. I mean, you you said it perfectly, and that's a great example to use because I always talk about the amount of money, amount of conversations that go into our physical well-being. I mean, there's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just you can't go anywhere without learning about research about the heart. And I want to, you know, how you know I'm I'm doing all this exercise to stay in shape and be right. fit, mm -hmm. and I keep saying, wow. Everybody is so obsessed about physically being healthy, but I'd rather be mentally healthy than be physically healthy. Mm. If I had the greatest heart on the planet that's going to let me live to level 100, but for 40 of those years I'm depressed, what's the point? Right, absolutely. I have a lot of personal experience with women who have been diagnosed bipolar or borderline mm. personality. And I guess like what I hear and what you're saying is this opportunity to like not relate to these individuals as their diagnosis. Like they're already doing that. And then there's this like shame around sharing it to yeah. other people that this is what's been diagnosed of me. And they are already identifying with it. Like what's, what's the practice that we as other human beings can support them in and not relating to them as their, this diagnosis. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know what it will take. Mm -hmm. I really don't know what it will take. I think one of the paths is what I'm trying to do is just more and more conversation about it mm -hmm. because I am able to put out a life and a story that isn't all that bad at the end. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully people could look at that and say, well, if he can talk about it, he can comfortably come on air and, and do interviews and say, you know what? I was sexually abused when I was a kid um, by a male and I'm a man. And, and that's not the easiest thing to talk about, but wow, he seems to really talk about it very comfortably. Right. It's going to be stuff like that. Um, one of the things that you see in, in, in really, especially in, in, in high power, people of high power, men, women, it doesn't really make a difference is essentially it's it's a it's a narcissistic behavior disorder is what's 
really driving a lot of that, which is ultimately is the pe these people that we're talking about, this, this, they suffer from an ability to regulate their self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And as they get bigger and more powerful and more successful, they keep butting up against their core strengths. And then that's the exact time that they have the transgressions. And that's the exact time that they do things that you just read about the Harvey Weinsteins. And it's just, you just read about them like, what is this person doing? Um, and it's just simply a matter of self-esteem issues that are not regulated and they're not integrated in, into their, in their core strengths. I, I, this is a completely unfair question, but I just want to ask somebody, and you've got expertise in the area, which is, it seems like, you know, I love that you brought up the Harvey Weinstein thing, because it seems like every time we have somebody in any position of power or prestige, it's it's almost inevitable that we're going to find out that they're a, you know, a creep of some kind, right? Yep. Uh, in your experience, as you've been talking about this, as you've been traveling and, and engaging with people on this topic, are you finding a real, um, like, a, like a core of humans or Americans or wherever you're going that are actually healthy? Or is it just that we've all got something? as you travel around, like people are dealing with addiction yeah. on the one hand or power abuse on the other or, or, or. When I see somebody that I feel is, is integrated and, and that is a psychological term, but that's integrated and that's, that's, that's at the core, they're healthy. They are in one with themselves and integrated just means that they don't have split personalities and mm -hmm. they don't have split areas, right? They're just one whole person. And typically that comes from really good parenting and, 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 and at the, at the, at the very childhood stages, they had great mirroring. So they saw themselves exactly the way they're supposed to see themselves and, and comfortable with that. I see that very, to answer your question. I see that very seldom. I always note that. And I'm just like, re it's remarkable to me when I notice somebody and I talk to somebody and I go, wow, they are really just normal. Mm -hmm. It's just really normal and they kind of, uh, and it doesn't take but a few more questions of me asking them about their parents and their childhood that I go, well, okay, well, I get it. Um, so to answer your question is more often than not by a vast majority, people have issues. What I started out at the beginning is that they really vary, right? And, and some people's issues doesn't mean that they need to go get up today and, and, uh, and uh, immediately call a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a therapist and and get in there. Um, but everybody has stuff. Everybody has stuff. Um, they just don't know it. It's really great. And I love how authentically you shared it in Perfect Pain in the book. Um, as we said, the website is perfectpain.com. Uh, we've got a few minutes left in our time together, and I want to give them most to you. Uh, Clarice, I'm conscious that I've sort of been over talking you anything that you want to know that's well, a narcissistic behavior indeed yeah he's very well aware. i think all our listeners are used to it <laughs> so um you have the notion that uh, the cult of entrepreneurship can burn you out so as an entrepreneur and all the entrepreneurs that are listening what would you say are steps to balancing out the stress while you're building your business super important yeah um this, first of all, you have to make a mental shift. And, and that is to say that while I am in the business world and I'm the entrepreneur and I'm at work, this is a compartment of my life, but this isn't my life. Mm -hmm. To say that again is that being an entrepreneur shouldn't be something that is a designation even, that you know, Parham is an entrepreneur. No, Parham, Parham um, uh, his occupation is in the business world, but Parham's a dad. Uh, Parm's also a, a, a husband. 
Um, Parham's a, uh, involved in philanthropy in his community. Parham loves to play sports. Parham likes to play golf. Um, it shouldn't be just this designation that I'm an entrepreneur. And unfortunately, they do that. And, and people do that with me. And then when they say, hey, Parham is an entrepreneur, there's this expectation that I'm 24-7 thinking about business. Mm. And that's just wrong. Um, but people do. And But there's a feeding process. So I remember when I... Uh, when I sold my company about two years ago, my, 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 my great doctor said to me, he goes, make sure you're aware that you're going to have a little bit of an identity issue and make sure we keep talking about this. And what I meant, and I was perfectly ready to be out of the business world. And he said, no, nah, no, nah, you'll see. And because of the 23, 24 years that I served as an entrepreneur and a businessman, everywhere I went, people wouldn't say, Hey, how are you doing? And how's, uh, you know, how's your golf game? The first thing is, how's business? Right. How's business? So right. imagine if every single day of my life, somebody is asking me, the first thing they ask is, how's business? So what do you think I'm going to focus on all the time? I'm going to think that that's the most important thing to the world. So therefore, I need to make this all-encompassing something that I think about 24-7. Yes. So, all right. The book is Perfect Pain. And I got I got what your, what your point is, but I want to give you a chance to wrap it up before our, our music plays you off the stage here. <laughs> Will you, will you just finish that thought, Parham, and give us something, a parting thought or a parting shot today for us to think about as we go forward? Yeah, I mean, w w one, thing is, one thing is that um, because you're successful at one thing doesn't mean you're successful at everything. And people who are greatly successful um, or moderately successful believe that they're successful at everything. And that includes their, their management of their mental health, their management of their families, and their management of the relationships. And often than not, they're not. They're just really successful at numbers. They're really good at uh, mergers and acquisition, but not necessarily good at thinking about their psychological well-being. Such an important message. The book and the website are perfect pain, and I thank you so much for talking about this important thing. We need to talk about it. Well, Clarice, that's another edition of The Coaching Show behind us. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you, my dear listener, next week. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. That's all for today's edition. We will talk to you next week.